Hello and welcome to Lessons with Dad. I am here with my daughter, Rufy. Hi. And today we are going to go into the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. And this is an amazing book. Uh, just by far the most uh, practical, Ruthie, of any of the ones. All of them can be applied to our daily lives. That's why we're doing it. But this is really uh, uh, a handbook for how we can make uh, changes to habits in our lives, something that we all deal with. Um, and by the way, just I'm going to give a shout out for James Clear, the author of the book. I'll put a note in the show notes. He has probably the best weekly email I get. I look forward to it, forward these emails to friends and family all the time. Uh, so I'll send a link to his website and his uh, weekly email if anyone wants to join that. So let's jump right in. So Ruthie, <laughs> the title of this book is Atomic Habits. A cool name, uh, but do you know the definition of atomic? Take, take, a, take a guess, your best guess. When something's really small, but they have like a large amount of it. Yeah, like a large amount or big power. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like atoms that make things up or an atomic bomb. So it, it has two definitions. So let's see. First, an extremely small amount of a thing, just like you said, the single irreducible unit of a larger system. That's definition one. And what's definition two? The source of immense energy or power. Exactly right. So that's atomic, the first part of the book, and it's atomic habits. What do you think the definition of a habit, or just a practical in your own life, what is a habit? Something that you like repeat every day. Yeah, might be every day, might be a lot of times a day sometimes, right? Um, so yeah, a lot of things like that. So, and here's the, the uh, definition, a routine or practice performed regularly an automatic response to a specific situation. So something you do unconsciously it could be picking your nails. It could be brushing your teeth, things like that. But what, what are some of your habits, Ruthie? Um, probably like what I do during the school week, like when I wake up and like go to bed. Yeah. Kind of a, a morning and nighttime ritual or routine. That's good. Are there any habits that you know of that you want, that you would consider a bad habit, something you want to change? Procrastinating on homework. <laughs> Maybe. And I, we'll see. Uh, so that's a good one. Procrastinating on homework. Um, I know I've got a couple. I want to get better eating habits, right? I might say uh, during COVID, I gained a few pounds and got out of my routine of, of exercising. Um, so I want to get back in that. I'm going to use this book in many ways, but it's applicable to many areas of my life outside of just those personal. We'll talk a little bit about some of those things, but here's how, uh, James clear as he, as he kind of sets up the book, he, um, he states the following at part of the intro. He says, changes that seem small and unimportant at first will compound into remarkable results if you're willing to stick with them for years, we all deal with setbacks, but in the long run, the quality of our lives depends on the quality of our habits. Do you believe that, Ruthie? What do you think about that statement? The quality of our lives depends on the quality of our habits. 
Um, I think that's pretty true. Yeah, it can be. And sometimes you don't think about it. What are the things that we're doing every day that add up to success that we want or where, where we're leading ourselves down a path um, that we don't want or we don't like? It's it's very interesting. But with the same, he says, with the same habits, you'll end up with the same results. But with better habits, anything is possible. And that's very much in, in, in concert and, and the same theme of the other books we read. So like I said, this is, this book is more of an operating manual. It describes what habits are, how to build good habits and how to avoid bad habits. Um, and this book is about what doesn't change. It's about the fundamentals of human behavior. Um, the lasting principles you can rely on year after year after year. And he says, these are ideas you can build a business around build a family around and build your life around. And it's pretty interesting. I loved this entire book. Um, and, and honestly, I'm enjoying Ruthie going through, I, I read the book and took notes and underlined and then going through and preparing for this series. I am getting so much out of this personally because it's so applicable to things and areas of my life where I want to make some improvements. All right. So here's how he started, James Clear started this. He tells a story of a man, David Brailsford. And David was, our Dave was hired in 2003 to help the Great Britain cycling team uh, to turn it, turn that team around. The Great Britain team had endured a hundred years of mediocrity. Uh, the, they were so bad, Ruthie, the cycling team in Great Britain, that the bike manufacturers in Europe wouldn't sell them their bikes because they didn't want to be associated with the team. That's like saying a professional tennis player like you're used to. Nobody wanted to give them a racket because they did, nobody wanted to see that person uh, playing with their racket. They might associate their racket with their poor performance. So that's pretty telling, isn't it, about the quality of the mm -hmm. cycling team? Yeah. So Brailsford was, Brailsford was hired to put you know the British cycling team on a new tra trajectory. And he had this relentless commitment to a strategy he referred to, and listen to this, Ruthie, it's the aggregation of marginal gains. What do you think that means? The aggregation of marginal gains. Like getting better by doing small things. <laughs> that's exactly right. Good guess. And, and that's, that's, that's exactly what he's talking about. So marginal, tiny little gains that add up and stack up like pieces of paper. One piece of paper seems so thin, but you stack them up and next thing you know, you're uh, to the ceiling. So this was a philosophy of searching for a tiny margin of improvement in everything you do. So, so he said, if you break everything you do in riding a bike down, you break it down into the component parts and then improve each one by only 1%, you'll get a significant increase when you put them all together. So he's not saying, hey, I'm going to make some huge improvement in this one area and all of a sudden we're going to be a lot faster and better as a cycling team. He says, no, we're going to break all these different things down. And then each area, we're only going to make a tiny improvement. But if you break, if you look at anything you do, do you think you can make a 1% improvement, Ruthie? Yeah. Yeah. It seems reasonable, doesn't it? If you look at anything in tennis, if you want to get 1% better at your footwork, could you do that? Yeah. If you want to get 1% better at your forehand, <laughs> right? Or your backhand, anything, your serve, anything you do, you can get 1% better. So, and often in life, what we try to do, and I do this, 
at work. And it's made me really think about at work, you know, we, we go in, we, what we, what do we want to do? We want to find one or two major things and try to change those, but this is a different and probably more realistic approach. Rarely do we go in and say, Hey, there's the smoking gun. Let me fix this one thing. And, uh, it'll turn everything around. No, instead it's the accumulation of many small things added together. And so let's go through, let's look at a few of the thing, Dave Brailsford and the great, he had the great Britain writing team do. So Ruthie, let's go through, we'll read some of the things, the tiny things they did. Redesign the seats to make them more comfortable. Yeah. Then they rubbed alcohol on the tires so they'd get a better grip. Riders wore electrically heated shorts to maintain ideal muscle temperature while training. Yep. They tested fabrics and wind tunnels. Had outdoor riders switch to indoor racing suits that were lighter and more aerodynamic. Yep. None of those are big deals, right? Not, not very much. Do you think those things are enough to take the worst performing team <laughs> in, in racing out there and make them great? No. No, not, not, I mean, not going to make them great just with those small things, right? But it probably made them a little better, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but it says they didn't stop there. They continued to find 1% improvements and overlooked in unexpected places. They tested massage gels to fi- what, find out what gave, gave the fastest muscle recovery. They hired a surgeon to teach them how to wash their hands, Ruthie, so they wouldn't catch a cold, right? So it wouldn't disrupt their training. They found the ideal pillow and mattress for each rider to get the best night's sleep. Then they painted the inside of their racing truck white, and it helped them spot tiny bits of dust that would normally go unnoticed but could degrade the performance of the finely tuned bikes. So they did these and many, many, many other things, Ruthie. Tiny little improvements. And these hundreds of small improvements accumulated, and the results came faster than anyone could have imagined within five years, which may seem like a long time, but in in this world, it didn't. Five years, this British cycling team dominated the 2008 Beijing Olympics. And four years later, when the the Olympics came to London, they set nine Olympic records and seven world records. And in addition to that, the British cyclists won five Tour de France victories. This is a huge turnaround and a team. Now, do you think people wanted to them to, to ride their bikes. Yes. <laughs> People wanted to be associated with this team, right? During the 10 year span from 2007 to 2017, the British cycling team was regarded as the most successful run in cycling history. And so we, you know, we ask, how did it happen? Did, did the athletes change? No, no. And often what do we want to do? We want to associate a change with what? The athlete? That, that's exactly right. We always want to attribute things to the athlete, not to the system. Oh, look at these great athletes they have. But this was all about the system and the tiny little improvements. So how does an ordinary team transfer into world champions with tiny changes that at first glance, you know, seem to make, you know, a modest difference? And it's amazing to think about. But Ruthie... Do you think this small improvement approach that you can replicate this in your life? Mm-hmm. Where, where do you think it would apply for you? What things do you do where you think, hey, I could take and make tiny changes to this and see real improvement? School. Yeah. And 
like any sport. That's right. Any sport, anything you do, really, really anything in life. For me, when I was thinking of applying this for work, I looked at our safety and how we, right at work, we want zero accidents, zero things. And I, and I thought, how could we go and approach our safety culture and things we do with 1% improvements? Uh, it, it's a different way or another area for work. We have a big focus like most companies do on profitability. And often we're trying to pull big levers to get profitability, but really the more realistic approach might be to have hundreds of 1% improvements that could give us hugely more profitable business. So again, I think so many applications in our personal lives, but in our professional as well. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about in our first episode here. Why small habits, the small things make a big, big difference. And, and often it's, it's easy in our day-to-day lives to underestimate the value of making small improvements on a daily basis. And, and in Ruthie and tennis, what do you want to do when you go to practice every day? Get better. Get better. A tiny little bit better. Just like at school, I want you to learn something every day, even if it's a little bit, something new in math or in science or in history. And too, too often in life, Ruthie, and you'll find this as, as you get older, we, we convince ourselves that massive success requires just huge action, um, whether we're trying to lose weight or build a business or write a book, but it's not a huge action that get it, gets us there. It's 1% improvement or progress every day that sometimes is even unnoticeable, but it can be far more meaningful in the long run. So the difference a tiny improvement can make over time is astounding. And here's, here's how the math works. Did you know if you were doing any one thing don't look at my notes here. <laughs> if you got 1% better every day for a year, 1% better for every day for a year, how much better would you be at the end of a year? Like however many days are in a year. <laughs> it, that, well, you would be 37 times better than you are today. Now it's unrealistic to get to improve your total performance, but that's the math. It These things compound every day when you get one percent better and it may not be total you're improving your total performance maybe you're just performing you know this one little aspect one percent here and one percent there but the effect of your habits multiply as you repeat them right and this can be a difficult concept to appreciate in daily life we just dismiss the small changes because they don't seem to matter very much in the moment so for example if i save a little money today ruthie Am I a millionaire? No. Not today, right? If I go to the gym three days this week, am I going to have six-pack abs? You could. <laughs> well, not this week, though. Just, right, if I go today, this week, it's not, bam, all going to happen. If I study Mandarin or any foreign language uh, for an hour a night this week, can I speak the language? No. No, not, not this week, right? But if I make those changes and I and I do them over and over and over again after a year, two years, three years, imagine where I'll be, right? But in the moment, it doesn't seem to make a difference. And the same is true of bad habits. If, if I eat an unhealthy meal today, is the scale really going to change? No, it's not. If I work late tonight and ignore my family, are you going to be super mad at me? 
No. Not not for that one night. But if I procrastinate on my your homework, oh, this is this is fun till tomorrow. You'll still have time to finish it later, right? So do you, those small decisions are easy to dismiss. But when you repeat these one percent errors or positive habits day after day, the impact is profound. And that's where we realize these tiny decisions. It's everybody thinks, oh, it's a big decision I'm going to make. It's not the big decisions that make a difference. It's the small decisions that we repeat over and over and over again in our lives that that really at the beginning of this, they impact the overall quality of our life, Ruthie. Our whole lives are built. The foundation of our lives are these tiny little decisions we're making every single day and repeating over and over and over again. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it seems you really need to take a step back and think about this because it really does make a massive difference in our lives. So the impact created by a change in your habits is similar to effect uh, of shifting the route of an airplane by just a few degrees. And so you think about this, Ruthie, if you take off and you're leaving in an airplane and you're going to go, say, from California uh, to the East Coast, maybe New York City, these small habits, because they're just such a small change, Ruthie, you're just going to move the direction maybe of that airplane a couple degrees. And when you take off in the airplane from California and you're heading to New York City, when you take off, if, you, if you're aiming for New York City and you just shift the direction of the airplane by, say, three degrees, three and a half degrees, you, it's imperceptible when you take off. You can't even tell you're going in a different direction. But when you multiply it times the distance of going across the whole United States, instead of ending up in Washington or instead of washing up, ending up in New York City, you end up in Washington, D.C. That's the difference that a tiny change when multiplied over great distance makes. That is exactly true of our habits when multiplied by time. And so that's that's what we're talking about. Making a choice that's 1% better, 1% worse seems insignificant in the moment, but over the span of moments that make up a lifetime, these choices determine the difference between who you are and who you could be, right? Deciding to practice tennis every day and work on it will make you a much, and actually following through and doing those, those drills and that extra practice are going to make you a much better tennis player in the end. Deciding to not procrastinate and do your homework at those little moments are going to make you a better student, a smarter person, and achieve more success in your career. And it, it doesn't happen all at once. It's these tiny little things that build up over time. And success is the product of daily habits. And, and James Clear asked this question, and I, I would ask it of you. And in fact, I ask it of myself. Are your habits putting you on a path towards success? What would you say about your habits in total, Ruthie? Uh, most of them are leading me towards success. That's right. And we're, look, none of us are ever going to be 100%, right? But in, in goal, and what he says here is you want, and, and here's the next part. Look, listen to this. It says, you should be more concerned with your trajectory, trajectory than your current results, right? And, and that point, and I would agree 100% with you. you. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But is your trajectory on the right course? And and here's what he says. And let's say if, if you're a millionaire, but you're spending more than you earn, you're on a bad trajectory, 
right? So even though you have a bunch of money right now, but if you're spending more than you earn, you're, you're losing money every day. If your spending habits don't change, it's not going to end well. Conversely, if, if you're broke, if you have no money, but you're saving a bit every single month, you're saving uh, and you're spending less than you make, then you're on the path to financial freedom. Even if you're moving slower than you'd like, you want to be on the right trajectory. And, and I would agree, Ruthie, none of us are perfect, but you're certainly on the right trajectory right now. But I think all of us have to evaluate with what our goals are for specific things. Are we doing the right things and do our habits support what those are? And, and here's what James Clear says, and this is really a smart way to look about this. Outcomes are a lagging measure of your habits. And we often look to our outcomes and say, that's what we're measuring, but that's the wrong thing because outcomes are a lagging measure of our habits. Your net worth, how much money you have, Ruthie, is a lagging measure of your financial habits. Your weight, right, is a lagging measure of your eating habits. Maybe some exercise in there, but mostly he's right, eating habits. Your knowledge, right, is a lagging measure, measure of your learning habits. You get what you repeat. So where are you going in life? And, and he says, <laughs> just follow the trajectory of the of your tiny gains or tiny losses and see how your choices are going to compound or 10 or 20 years down the line. And at your age right now, Ruthie, at 15, it's hard to have a, an idea, uh, an appreciation for time because you've only been a young woman here for a, a short period of time, but 10 years of, of following the habits that you've built early in your life are going to determine the trajectory of the rest of your life. And so it is important that we build the right habits here. Um, are you making it to the gym each week? Are you reading books and learning something new each day? What, what are the things? Tiny battles like these are the ones that define your future self. And time, Ruthie, time magnifies the margin between success and failure. It will multiply whatever you feed it. Right. What are and, and, and it, here's the question. What are you feeding yourself right now in terms of habits? Right. When we think about it, is it too much TV, too much TikTok? <laughs> Do you think right? Do you think too, a lot of kids are feeding themselves more TikTok? Yes. Right. And you could be taking that time because TikTok, our phones become a real habit. And how much time do you think you people kids waste? When you look at people's screen time, how much time do you think they spend on their phone? Like nine or 10 hours. I mean, just huge amounts of hours and time that suck by, away from that. Do you think kids, yourself included, myself, could make better use of that time to, to build a better future self? Mm -hmm. Right? It's easy to procrastinate doing homework when you've got entertaining TikTok videos uh, showing you amazing pictures of people hiking through Montana or doing whatever, right? Or these cat videos, whatever it is that gets people's attention. I know. So good, hate, good habits make time your ally. Bad habits make time your enemy because time is going to multiply what you feed it. And, you know, habits are double-edged sword. Bad habits cut you down just as easily as good habits build you up. This is why understanding, Ruthie, how habits work is so important to success in life. It's why we're going through this book with you right now and why I found this book so amazing. Oh, by the way, who introduced us to this book? 
I, and we didn't even give him a shout out. I feel <laughs> bad about that. We got this far into our first one. We didn't even give our, do you want to say who, who George? Yes. Ruthie's good friend, George recommended this book for me. And I just fell in love with it from the beginning. He read it. Um, and so we thought it was so good. We needed to add it to the podcast and really, really glad that he shared that with, with us. And so next we're going to get into and look at what, uh, progress is in our next episode. We're going to go through how you make progress and where we go. But I think that was a really good introduction to where we're going, Ruthie. And, uh, in the book here, any, any thoughts before we wrap up? What did you think about the incremental gains, 1% improvements? Um, I didn't know it would be that small of an improvement. Yeah. It, myself either. And, and what, in, in this whole book, mm -hmm. when you look at the book, it's the impact that these tiny little changes can make on your whole life. And we'll talk about how you stick with them and what you do. So what we've learned today and what we've talked about is that tiny 1% improvements can have a huge impact when added together, right? And small improvements when compounded, what, what's, what compounds your habits, Ruthie? Time. That's right. Time. And it makes your bad ones, your enemy, your good ones, your ally. And don't look to big changes but look at lots of small improvements that can really add up. And I love this part here, Ruthie. What's this takeaway that we had right here? Outcomes are a lagging measure of your habits. That's right. When you look at the outcomes, whether you're gaining weight, whether you're um, or losing weight, or whether you're a great piano player, that's a lagging indicator of your daily habits of practice or whatever you do. And then lastly, time is the magnifier of our habits. So, well, good. I thought a great introduction today, Ruthie. Any comments before we wrap up? All right. Well, everybody have a great week and we'll see you next time.